You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hi, everyone. I'm Lindsay. It's Leslie here. And we have our friend Brooke Dorf here with us. She's a maternal mental health specialist with the Utah Health Department. And we're so (laughs) excited to have her here with us tonight. So Brooke, tell us what you do with with the health department. So I am really excited to be here, first of all. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But the cool thing about my position is that it is one year old. So I'm the maternal mental health specialist, first person to ever have this job. Um, Yeah. And part of what I do is I work with, we have an interesting um, dynamic with Postpartum Support International Utah, which you guys have mentioned on your podcast before, PSI Utah. So I help them with all of their messaging, a lot of training, um, a lot of different events. And then outside of PSI Utah, I also have my own responsibilities. I work with local health departments. I work with WIC clinics um, and I teach them about maternal mental health. Um, I go out and I work with clinicians. There's a collaborative, um, a quality improvement collaborative that focuses on maternal mental health. So we're working on creating statewide screening protocols, how how often women should be screened. So I mean, this, I mean, like everything (laughs) with maternal mental health, I kind of have my hands in a little bit of everything here in Utah. And how did you get into that to begin with? Um, well, I, I moved here for the job, but um, I was really interested in it because before that I worked in mental health. I ran a nonprofit called Project Happiness. Um, and we, it's a, there's over 2 million people who follow us on Facebook and kept getting messages from people, um, moms, who said, hey, I have this issue, what can I do? And the work that we did was positive psychology, but I realized that moms had a really special issue that couldn't be treated in the same way that everybody else was. And so after that, I kind of had my ears perked up for maternal health and found this. They, again, opened up this brand new position um, because PSI's policy group was really advocating for, for us to have someone that's focusing just on this in the state and applied and got it so yeah but i mean it's it's such a personal issue issue to me i think my mom had it like the more i learn about it i've had my best friends have it um and i realize that this affects so many more people than we actually talk about Mm -hmm. um so it's it's something that has really become a passion of mine so when utah opened up this job were there other states who had already had a specialist in this area no so we are super unique we're I think one of the only ones, if not the only one in the entire U.S. that has somebody at the state health department focusing on maternal mental health specifically. Um, And when I get on these regional calls with PSI, which is an international group, um, they always say, "Uh, we're trying to figure out how to get like the health department involved. And how do we get, you know, this other group of people? How do we talk to? It's like therapists and, and clinicians don't talk. Um, like providers and and Mm -hmm. you know there's all these different siloed groups that deal with maternal mental health and none of them talk to each other but here in Utah we have these amazing 
groups that were started long before I got here um, of, of people from all different disciplines who talk to moms, deal with moms, and they're all invested in maternal mental health. So Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Um, so what is the mission of PSI? So that you said it's international. So is it, where is it available if there's people that aren't in Utah that don't have that state rep? Yeah, so it is international. Like I said, I mean, they're in Kenya, India, all wow. over. Um, and every state, if not a neighboring state, has somebody that you can call. So all that information is on postpartum.net. But their mission is really to serve moms who need the help. And they do that through... Um, facilitating support groups Um, they have online support groups for like military moms for example or they have Spanish support groups Um, and then they also have a line a phone number that providers can call if they need help um, diagnosing somebody or if they need help not knowing how to treat them with medication they can call this line and get a phone call back within 24 hours that PSI supports so Wow. They, I mean, our local mission and the international mission is really twofold, working on the moms and working on the people who support moms, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. So do you have a team of people that you work with or is this your sole, like, are you the, is this your baby? Like you're, (laughs) you know what I mean? Do you have a team or... Yeah, so at the state health department, I'm I'm the person who focuses on this. But with PSI, like I said, um, they had been there in existence long before I got here. Um, it was actually PSI Utah used to be the Utah Maternal Mental Health Collaborative, and it was founded by Amy Rose White, um, and she's a co-founder. Um, and they, she moved here from Oregon, which is where she kind of got started in the maternal mental health realm. And in this collaborative, they started bringing people to the table, therapists and midwives and OBGYNs and Intermountain Healthcare and the University of Utah and all these different people who had a, a part of it. And then um, it grew into PSI Utah. They were able to get to become a chapter. Um, and then like I said, there's the quality collaborative working just with providers. And that was there before I, I came as well. That came, um, a couple months right before I got this job. So everybody kind of has a little piece of it. I mean, we even work with the YWCA. Um, we work with, um, just a bunch of different nonprofits, anybody who works with moms, which, you know, I say all the time, everybody works with moms, like (laughs) moms have children and people work with children. Right. You know, I mean, everybody knows somebody in this situation. Mm -hmm. Totally. What, um, in your experience in this past year, what have you seen that we're doing right? So much. Really? Yes. Good. Um, and And even in this last year, there has been so much momentum, but even from, I mean, one thing before I got here was to, for the PSI policy group to advocate for my position, right? So now we have somebody, whether it's me or someone else, focusing on maternal mental health. Um, And then this last year in the legislative session, the PSI policy group was able to get an appropriations request from a bunch of moms telling their stories. Um, And that was the only reason it was passed in my opinion. Um, so we had, I think five to 10 women came and told their story in front of the legislator. They were all so brave, um, in, in talking about how it affected their life. And because of that, the state legislator said, Hey, this is important enough for us to give you some money for at least three years. So 
Wow. Yeah. So my job was originally only going to be funded for one year. And because of that, I'm here for at least three more years. Yay. Um, yeah. And, and we also have, um, you know, we work on telemental health for rural moms and they can call somebody here in Salt Lake instead of having to leave their house or drive long distances. Um, we have a lot of people here who are invested in families and invested in women and moms. Um, you guys, podcasts, you know, I mean, there's so much going on. The Emily effect. We have so many groups of people who are interested in this and um, there's a lot going right here. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you're pushing the hardest right now and working on that you really want to see change? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> there, I feel like there's just so much um, work left to do. And every time I hear a story or I see something um, of a mom struggling, struggling, I realize like we still have so much work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, at the state, we send out these surveys um, to people in Utah, moms who had just had their babies. Um, and at the end, they can leave a comment and the comment in the survey we received back today was a mom who said, I have tried to get help from for postpartum depression and anxiety. I haven't been able to find help and I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And and this is, I mean, we just got this back today. So there's still so much work to be done as far as getting the word out, um, educating people on, on, you know, there's so many misconceptions about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, for example, like when you can have postpartum depression, the fact that it happens during pregnancy and after, you know, like there's so, I have a whole list of misconceptions about it um, that people don't understand. So I think getting the word out, um, getting more people on board to tell their stories, I think that we can do better just nationally on getting this paid for. Um, That's one of the biggest reasons people don't get help because they can't afford it. no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. So, I mean, I could go on, for, I, that could be its own podcast, <laughs> like all the things that we could do to improve this. So will you share with us those misconceptions? Yes, I would love to. Okay, well, first of all, um, like I mentioned earlier, when can you have any type of mood disorder, right? And um, I just had, again, another friend who knows I do this work. She's five months pregnant. She told me, I didn't know that I could have this while I was pregnant. I thought it was just postpartum. Um, So when you can have it, you can have it during pregnancy. You can have it postpartum, but you can have it up to one or two years even, right? So something I keep hearing on your podcast is, well, I was one year, so I wasn't sure if it was postpartum depression. But yes, you can have it up to two years after. Um, another misconception is what can you have, right? So people hear often of depression, anxiety is kind of starting to bubble up a little more, but you can also have bipolar, OCD, PTSD, um, which I've heard some of the women talk about, um, and psychosis, which is the big, the big one that a lot of people think of, you know, um, that is has the most negative effects, but there there's so many other things in between. It doesn't have to mean that you hate your baby or mm-hmm. you hate yourself for you to actually have one of these mood disorders. Um, there is, I mean, there's a whole signs and symptoms, right? People don't know that you can actually just be angry. Um, and that is depression 
and it's not just sitting at home crying on your couch right I mean mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys had that was me yeah <laughs> yes, that was say. totally me and Leslie's the one who helped me to figure out that that was postpartum right because I was like I just fly off the handle at the drop of a hat and then the next second I'm sobbing because I feel so guilty that I just lost it with my kids and for normal stuff you know exactly and I did not have any idea that that had anything to do with postpartum right because you probably thought of the crying mom yeah like sitting and at I home. thought I'm just mean right this is like, just who I am now that I'm yeah, a mom. I'm just a mean person. I guess this is who I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. So, I mean, you can have anything from anger to um, disinterest in sex or, mm-hmm. you know, loss of appetite, gain of appetite, like all these other things that people don't think about. Even things like I remember you saying, was it you that you had like your hand on your baby mm-hmm. to make sure? Yeah. yeah. Right. So like checking on your baby so much that you can't actually like turn that part of your brain off. Mm-hmm. Like thinking that there's going to be a murderer coming in at night and and it's hard to know because a lot of moms already feel like well I should feel this way I'm trying to protect my baby but there's comes a point where it blocks you from having a normal life and you feel like what you're feeling is normal right yeah because it's the way you're feeling yeah right this is my normal yeah like this is how I am now (laughs) right but it's it doesn't have to be like that you can actually like still worry about your child or your life and and live a normal life and be happy Mm -hmm. um so you know there's all those signs and symptoms that people don't know about um that are misconceptions there's also um let's see oh who can have any of these mood disorders right we think that um you have to for for example have had a baby to take home but there are people who have infant loss and miscarriage they can of course experience postpartum depression or anxiety or any of these mood disorders you, anybody who is an adoptive parent can experience this um, dads one in ten dads actually go through this and we think that's really underreported mm-hmm. um, yeah we I both agree. know a a dad who has gone through it and we're begging him to come podcast yes <laughs> we just shared a story on father's day on psi utah's page of a dad who had a NICU baby and he couldn't get time off from work and he was like all of a sudden I went through this traumatic experience I had to jump back in and I never had that chance to bond mm-hmm. and he is you know um considering taking his own life and yeah. he's going through a really hard time mm-hmm. um so dads can go through this yeah. right um grandparents right they can experience this um people who've experienced infertility their hormones are going up and down they're injecting themselves there's a lot going on Mm, so i mean this is a lot bigger than just somebody who has a baby in their arms right right? and again up to one year two years somebody has a toddler and there's actually a statistic out there saying that if a mom's um, mood disorder doesn't get treated in the right amount of time that these can be lingering effects for her whole life um and so it can be attributed to that um and i think you know we can probably all think of one or two people who you can say oh maybe that's why she's still having a hard time mm-hmm. um so there's that and i mean there's uh, the whole list of who is at risk right the one tony's episode talked about c-sections and NICU moms but then there's also people who are um, a parent of a multiple so twins triplets their numbers go way up really yes if it's an unplanned pregnancy which our statistics show like 
70% are unplanned in Utah. Wow. Yeah. So that means it goes way up, wow. right? If there isn't enough space, like, like pregnancy spacing. Mm-hmm. So if they're really close together, your chances go up. Um, anybody wow. who's single or um, has a partner who who makes them feel like they're single so like if their partner is traveling for business all the time or if they are really involved in their church and they are not around that chances go way up wow um if you have any illness during your pregnancy like hyperemesis Mm. or asthma or diabetes or any type of chronic illness boom (laughs) up right wow and then one of the other major ones people don't often think about um are significant life events so if you move um which a lot of people for some reason decide to move while you're pregnant or postpartum you're like oh we need a bigger house now right that can actually like double your chances of getting depression or anxiety wow um any significant life events like a new job or a loss of a job or your partner's loss of a job or a death or any of those things Wow. Um, right. So like you start to think about yourself and you're like, oh, I had this, 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 and this. I know. I'm no like, wonder. <laughs> yeah. Checking all those boxes off. Right. Um, also, if you have had um, any type of domestic violence or trauma in your life um, as a child or as an adult. Um, so all of those things. Um, and I did then, kind of find, sorry, really quick. I yeah. found out for, for me, like I, a lot of my childhood trauma. Mm-hmm didn't surface until I had a baby yep which I I thought when even when the hospital when they were like you're at high risk I was like I'm good yeah. I should have had depression by now right with everything I've gone through yeah so I think that that's a good statistic because I feel like it can unearth things to become a parent and be like oh of this course. is real life right I mean all of a sudden you're faced with life or death right and all those things kind of bubble up whether it was physical verbal sexual any type of trauma Mm -hmm. in any part of your life goes up and this is that opportunity for you to be really face to face with kind of a new moment in your life Mm -hmm. right yeah so another thing people don't know is um that this that maternal mental health issues uh, you've said this before but it's the number one complication of pregnancy but it happens more frequently than gestational diabetes which everybody's drank and drunk the drink mm-hmm. yeah right yep. but not everybody's been screened and it happens way more often it's more frequent than breast cancer it's more frequent than preeclampsia any of these other things that we routinely get screened for we've all heard about susan g komen we've all heard about these things and not to diminish them but maternal mental health happens more frequently than those and in fact our rates here in utah are doubling every year so our anxiety rates doubled in 2017 for some of the age groups we're up to almost 30 percent anxiety rates during pregnancy and postpartum which is a lot i mean that's like one in three one in four people like likely you know somebody who's had that um and it's also unfortunately the suicide is the second leading cause of death for women of childbearing age um and the first leading cause of death is accidental overdose right so this is what is killing our moms this is what's taking our moms and it really needs to be addressed and luckily there's a lot of good ways to do it so another misconception that i would like to debunk is 
is the fact that moms don't have to go off of medication for mental health, depression, anxiety, any of those medications. If they're pregnant or postpartum and breastfeeding, they should talk to their doctor, but there are so many that are safe during that time. There's the, and if a mom has any questions and her doctor's not available, you can always call, this is a national phone number, but the pregnancy risk line. And they know what you can take, what is okay during pregnancy and while you're breastfeeding. Even down to things like magnesium, like can I take that? Just call them up and somebody's always gonna answer. Awesome. So it's really important. It's it's actually more dangerous most of the time to go off your medications if you're weaning or going cold turkey because you're putting yourself and your baby at risk by putting yourself in that dark place, right? That mental health issue. Um, and so the benefits outweigh the risks every time almost with that medication. Also going back to when you can have any type of um, postpartum depression, anxiety, any of them, um, some people think that they're in their clear after it's been like six or seven months and then they stop breastfeeding and all of those protective hormones that were there when you were having the breastfeeding drop and they go away and they're like whoa this is a new thing i'm feeling like where did this come from it's because you stopped breastfeeding or pumping oh so that's another one like people get that you know seven eight month one year what year and a half mark however long they do that for if they choose to um and all of a sudden boom come wow. it comes up yeah so i mean there's so many things that people don't know about and and we can take a look at our friends and and say like hey i'm noticing that like this is going on or you might get this like i don't know you just moved like something to think about yeah <laughs> you know? how do you approach that right. i've seen that posted a bunch on social media like how do you approach a friend that you're worried about might have postpartum or something's off yeah i mean that was a question i had for you guys like what would have helped you leslie helped me because she was brave enough to share what she had been through with me and to kind of she was brave enough to say i think you might be struggling with this Mm. because it was nowhere on my radar but i had to feel it out like i waited a little while you waited a month (laughs) (laughs) we hadn't known each other very long i just kind of shared my story in a way that was like hey this is my story and and seeing if maybe it opened her up and when she shared and then I was like okay this is a safe space for me to talk about this so yeah but like you've said before I feel like any new mom is always on our radar now like forever and we are willing to talk about us and hopefully it like you said it opens them up and makes them feel safe and like makes them kind of think about what they might be going through you know right right so just don't be afraid to talk don't if you are if you're sensing something from someone you have to be brave enough to say hey i think that there might be something going on and how can i I, support you i want to support you and i want you to know that i love you and i don't want you to feel this Mm -hmm. and i didn't want to be i kept quiet for a long time because i didn't want to be a project Mm -hmm. because i'm always the strong one right so I didn't want to be hey are you okay I'm worried about you you know I didn't want that Mm -hmm. I just wanted to feel better and so my sister-in-law would just randomly hey let's go get a drink or you know just show up yeah not even I didn't even have to talk about it with her right and for me that was really helpful initially that's so I think it's just being in tune with your friends Mm -hmm. and knowing what they need 
Yeah. Well, I had a friend just post on Instagram and she took a picture of her baby and was like, we're coming home from the NICU and it's her first one. And so one thing I like to do, because I'm not a mom, I haven't gone through this myself, you know, but I like to just like drop stats on people, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) so I just I messaged her, I slid into her DMs and I'm like, hey, um, you know, NICU moms experience this a lot. I just want to make sure I'm not saying you are, (laughs) but in case you are like, it's okay to talk about about it it might happen just check in on yourself and you know i'm here if you need to talk to anyone and that's perfect right and so like you can even say hey i heard this podcast or i heard this happens when you move or you know just like dropping stuff like that but i think it really depends on the person it's a really sensitive topic and also i mean why people don't talk about it they people think that they are not strong yeah they think that their baby's going to get taken away from them right oh yeah they are worried that their family's gonna judge them or their mother-in-law is gonna think they're the worst, right. Or, right? I mean, there's so many reasons for people not to talk about it. And I think we're just trying to build the case for talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna take a long time to get there, in my opinion. No, I agree. And even just, so Lindsay hadn't shared her story with anyone. And then when we put this podcast live, she shared it on her Facebook page, I'm shocked how many people come out of the woodworks when you give that liberty of sharing your story mm-hmm. and admit that they had it too mm-hmm. it's like if we could just everybody share their story that's how we can support each other you right know? it's not until i spoke up that people actually showed up and said oh i had it too so if there's a way to keep talking about it and sharing our stories i feel like we'll all be maybe a little bit less alone right and for the most part people are compassionate in their response you know people say oh my gosh I'm so sorry I had no idea Mm, or they say I wish you would have told me right I'm sure you guys have heard that absolutely like I I wish you would have said something to me I could have helped Mm -hmm. or you know I can do you need me to babysit or anything right and and so once we realize that for the most part people are going to react really well Mm -hmm. yeah that it's okay to talk about it it really has been overwhelming the support that we've had since we decided to do this and like Leslie said, I had never shared it before. And I was honestly terrified that when I posted about this, that I was going to be labeled. Mm. Even though the reason we're doing it is because we don't want people to feel that way. You know, like Mm -hmm. I want people to be brave and share their story. And then as soon as I did it myself, I was like, oh, everybody's going to think that like, oh, her poor kids, she's mean, you know? Right. And I was terrified. And really it's just been this outpouring of, thank you so much for sharing this. I can totally relate. And uh, it's, it's made me feel like I can open up and share what I'm going through. And it's just been, it's been an awesome response. Really. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any negative response so far, which is a relief because <laughs> you just never know when you put yourself out yeah. there. So I'm so glad to hear that though. I mean, you deserve that. Right. And that's the other thing I've, I've heard on your podcast. I listen to all your episodes, <laughs> but Thanks, <Brooke. laughs> a lot of the moms, when they're telling their story, they kind of like say, well, it wasn't as bad as anyone else. Like everybody downplays it. start to diminish it. Like, well, you know, my leg didn't fall off. So like, it's not yeah. that bad, <laughs> you know, or every like, single one. Right. Yep. Or I didn't want to cry in front of them or like, there's yeah. so much of that. And I think we really need to acknowledge like it was hard and I survived, but 
it sucked, maybe still sucks. And it is just something that, you know, it's okay to acknowledge that pain. It's okay to acknowledge those days that you're happy too. Like mm-hmm. just cause you're saying that doesn't mean you're miserable all the time. Right. It Even hour to hour. It right? definitely yeah. ebbs and flows. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it's minute to minute. Sometimes you're like, I think I'm good Yeah. for a few weeks. And then you hit, hit something. So. Right. Exactly. But I mean, again, so it's it's about not diminishing ourselves when we're telling these stories. Yes. It's about knowing people are going to react really well. Again, yeah. for the most part, there have been some horror stories, but that is very rare. Yeah. <laughs> so, but most of the time, people just feel like they can relate and they feel supported because they're not alone. Oh, right. Yeah. And all the crazy thoughts and the guilt and the shame. You're like, I'm the only one that's ever felt this way. And then when you hear it from someone else, it's so amazing. Exactly. But I think like initially for me, like my goal with this whole podcast is it was so freeing for me to finally tell my story mm-hmm. a couple of years ago to a small group of women. Um, I love seeing a woman come in here to tell her story and just the energy that shifts when she leaves. Because mm. really, when you come here to tell your story, it's I'm going to share to other women and help them, but really they're helping themselves exactly. by giving it a voice and releasing it. And it is unbelievable. Like if that right there is worth it all mm-hmm. for me, it's just to give a woman a space to share and finding like, the therapy and saying it yeah, out loud yeah mm-hmm. and right. sometimes they're reliving it but yeah. saying it out loud from start to finish is like <sighs> yeah that's cool like let it out you know mm-hmm. yeah which i mean you guys are like your own group therapy here right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah um what's the hardest part for you what do you take home? What's the heavy part for you? Um, it's hard to hear that people every day still are suffering. You know, I I kind of have these moments where I'm like, why can't we just fix it for everyone? And how come this woman didn't know that down the street she could have gone to this place for free or, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really motivating also because I, I, again, I see there's so much work left to be done. Like, as long as we're having babies which means we're having moms (laughs) um we're not we're not done so um yeah it's just one of those things that that is um really hard to think about and you know I mean I I mean I hate to like be a downer here but I mean we even had a maternal suicide here in Utah a month ago Mm. um and and that really just kind of like hit home again Mm -hmm. every time I hear about it it doesn't get easier and that's the part I kind of think about uh, in the shower while I'm cooking breakfast, you know, and I'm every day I come to work and I'm like, I have a new idea. <laughs> this is how we're going to do it. And everyone's like, OK, Brooke, maybe in like three years. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but you're trying so hard to get the word out to these moms who may be suffering. And like you said, if she would have known that somewhere down the street could have helped her, like that's got to be hard for you to hear mm-hmm. because, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's your whole mission is to get the word out right and and it's cool though because the way that i think about it is um i have this like maternal touch points theory right where i um you guys probably heard it at the film screening but Mm -hmm. basically a mom from day one of pregnancy even preconception day one of pregnancy to one two years postpartum she sees like 500 million people (laughs) during Mm -hmm. that time whether it's her OBGYN midwife doula to the woman at Target to the librarian when they take their one-year-old to story time to I mean 
a million different people their church clergy their um you know the food bank if they need that wick i mean so many people that they see and if they hear about those resources from any one of those touch points or if they if they hear about maternal mental health during any one of those one times like the more they hear about it the better mm-hmm. um including podcasts right so if, if somebody's browsing through or they see you know leslie posted on her page and and somebody shares it with their sister-in-law and she's like, Hey, you should listen to this. Like, I just think that any, this is a group effort. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's so great that there's so many people working on this because no one person will hear it from one source only. And no one, one group of people can do it alone. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of resources. There's a lot of ways for women to get help. And, um, that's exciting. It's encouraging. So where can they find some of those resources? great question <laughs> and what um, so I actually have a list of them here so I mean first of all um, not everybody is going to respond the same way to everything right yeah. um, but one of our, our favorite statistics to say is that um, maternal depression accounts for the number one highest um, population of people with depression in the world um, so maternal depression um, and but they are also the most agreeable like the i mean they accept treatment the best really yes so it's really amazing that you have this duality of this is the highest population of people who experience depression and anxiety but they are also the most responsive um so any other population may not have it as much but may take much longer to feel better And so a woman can actually feel better if they need therapy in just 10 sessions, as opposed to other people who need much longer time, Mm. or, um, they can start to feel better just in, in peer support groups, or, you know, they, they can, they respond so much better to treatment. Um, so, you know, types, different people respond to different things. Um, but again, it's hopeful. Like we want to give a message of hope. Like you're not going to feel like this forever. Um, especially if you can get help. Yeah. So um, the number one thing that should be done is that they should take a screening, right? So they should know kind of where they fall on this list of like severity, right? So I'm sure you guys took the EPDS or some type of like questionnaire. I had my son in Canada, so I didn't, but I did take it after the event that we went to with you. Oh, you did. Just okay. Yeah. But so where can people get that? If their doctors don't do it, Mm -hmm. where do you? Well, first of all, if your doctors don't do it, you should ask them to. <laughs> so you actually have a lot more say because you're a consumer. You're paying them, right? You're yeah. a customer. And is that something that you would like take at the six week appointment at the po- you know, like the follow up? Good question. So we are recommending that doctors here do it at every visit. Um, so during pregnancy, each one of those visits that you take first trimester, second trimester, at least once a trimester at birth, uh, 24 hours after birth two weeks postpartum, six weeks postpartum. And then we're recommending pediatricians, which I heard that was kind of who helped you, right? Mm-hmm. Or was it? No. No. Um, somebody's pedi- I don't remember. Okay. Somebody's pediatrician like helped them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we're recommending pediatricians do it every well baby visit. So when you bring in your baby, um, because at that point, mom's kind of passed over, like mm-hmm. she's yeah. now it's all about the baby, but really you see the p- pediatrician all right. the time. Exactly. <laughs> and you're done with your OB. Exactly. So we are recommending that pediatricians also do it at the well baby visits. Um, and then I if, love that idea. Like that's yeah. 
That's awesome. It just makes sense, right? Totally. Um, so, and then if you don't have that resource, if they don't do it at those offices, you can take it online. If you are local in Utah, you can call Help Me Grow. Um, they are free and they will give it to you on the phone in English or Spanish. Okay. Um, and then they'll tell you, they'll send you to the right resource, depending on what your score is. And they will keep calling you and following up on you, which is awesome. Because that that's what awesome. moms need. Totally. Yes. yes. And sometimes you feel safer with a stranger. Yes, it's true. <laughs> so than someone that you know. On the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put that phone number in the description of this podcast. Great. Yeah, I'll give it to you. And they also do text message. So, awesome. Which is really oh, cool. that's nice. Because mm-hmm. some people don't like calling. Right. I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a resource it's good to know where you fall on the screening um but then depending on where you fall you might need therapy you might need medication um or you might need just group support so support groups peer support groups and those are all throughout the nation um there are online support groups that you can join they meet you know every monday at 11 a.m you can Mm -hmm. join a facebook group or um whatever however they link to each other um and then Um, And then on our website coming up in September, part of that legislative appropriation that we received, um, I'm creating this website for Utah specific um, where anybody can go on there and type in whatever they need. So their insurance type, if they want childcare, if they want it to be within five miles of their house, and what they're looking for and it'll pop up with all the resources you can access that's incredible that's awesome so and a lot of states have that there's about well not a lot but five or six states have their own so if you're listening from washington north carolina anyways you can look to see if your state has that um but here we're gonna make ours like super cool and techie and have (laughs) all the information that you would want um can you call in and just do it from home can you you know all the things that somebody would want to know because the the mom that i always think of is like the 3 a.m desperate mom Mm -hmm. who hasn't slept in four days and she's just crying she doesn't want to wake up her husband or her partner and she's just like what do i do i can't talk to anyone about it and so my answer to that was well how about we have a website that she can access at any time Mm -hmm. and she can just kind of look and browse through and say i want them to take my insurance or again i want them to provide childcare. that's important to me or i don't want to have to leave my house or whatever Mm -hmm. so that is going to be on a website sometime before the end of the year awesome yeah that's amazing yeah so i mean like i said these things exist out there and we're just trying to get the word out that's awesome it's so cool what else do you have for us i love all these goodies (laughs) um let me see oh another thing that people well i have okay two more things so one other misconception is that if you didn't have any type of mood disorder in previous pregnancies you'll never get them in later pregnancies right and i'm here to kind of debunk that and people can get this on their third or fourth pregnancy even if they've never had it um, again, depending on some of those risk factors I listed earlier, what if they're a NICU mom on the fourth one? Yeah, you know. So just because you've never had it doesn't mean that you'll you'll never have it. Okay. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, but something that people can do at home, right? We want to give people kind of a toolkit or resources that they can implement at home. So we have this fun little acronym. It's called Sunshine, um, and they are basically. They stand for something else. Um, Each one stands for something that you can do. So S is sleep, right? It's important to get the right amount of sleep. Um, 
we're telling people four to six hours in a row. <laughs> um, we know that's really hard to do, but if you have somebody to help you, it makes it easier and you mm-hmm. can take turns. Um, do you guys think four to six hours is unrealistic? I, I think four four is like, I think that's a good base. doable. Depends yeah. on the baby. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the support. Yeah. Yeah. So we say sleep is really important. Whatever that looks like, try to get a big chunk, um, whatever that chunk looks like for you. Um, and then you in sunshine is, um, understanding. So counseling with a friend, counseling with a therapist, um, getting medication if you need to, or calling help me grow. And as for nutrition, so um, you got to find out about your vitamin D levels. So you got there's things you can do there. You can look into that blood work. Um, you can take fish oil. There's some research out there that says it might help. Um, it might not. But you know, talk to your provider about how much fish oil to take, um, and make sure that each time you're eating, you're eating some protein and some fat. Um, so again, whatever that looks like for you, if that's Chick-fil-A or <laughs> if that's a sandwich, <laughs> just get protein and fat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. <laughs> and that's from the health department. <laughs> um, S is support. So making sure again, that you have a trusted friend or a family member or support group, um, ask for help with care for your baby. So if it's one hour, um, that somebody can watch your baby and you can just do something for yourself. What, again, whatever that looks like. Um, H is hydration and humor. <laughs> so make sure you drink lots of water. Uh, I mean, at least for me, I get really hangry, but that also applies to water. Yes. Like I can tell when I haven't been drinking, I start to get a little baby headache and, mm-hmm. you know, so you want to be in your optimal. So make sure that you're finding ways to laugh and make sure you're drinking all the water. I love that. Yeah. Um, information, make sure you, you are educated on this. So you can go to postpartum.net or psiutah.org, learn about these things, maybe if you think you're on the cusp, trust your gut, right? If you think something feels funky and if you're not sure if it's right or not, just ask someone or read about it. There's lots of resources out there. Um, N is nurture. So making sure you're going um, to do those things that really nurture you. Find those hobbies, find that me time, find that alone time. Um, Go out in nature, go to a yoga class, um, go to drinks with your (laughs) sister-in-law, you know? So um, find that time to nurture yourself. And then E is exercise, which we say, I mean, even going on a 10 minute walk is enough to call it exercise if that's like, too much for you to do get yourself moving yes move through it right things get stuck in our bodies um so just getting out and walking walking around the living room whatever you need to do just walk for 10 minutes at least i love that so yeah so sunshine it's kind of a fun way to remember it that is really cool i like that too yeah Mm -hmm. um are there any events coming up that we can spread the word about or what can we do to support you guys yeah so i mean if you know somebody listens to this later i just want people to know that there are documentaries out there you can watch with your friends get a group of people together you can watch what we watch together which is the dark side of the full moon um it's pretty it can be triggering so Mm -hmm. be careful if you watch it Um, but there are things that you can do within your friends you can create groups you can there are climb out of the darkness events that are international um a lot of them are happening in the summertime but some happen through the fall and if you missed it this year you'll catch it next year you can organize one if you'd like um anybody can pop one up it can be two people and you can call it a climb so yeah awesome it's it's kind of fun um 
and I mean there's all kinds of stuff you can do here in Utah we're gonna do a film screening circuit in September um, while we'll go through all of Utah rural Utah and show a different film um, and then have a panel you can talk to your legislator and even if you don't know what to say just say hey I experienced maternal mental health issues and I think this is important I think you should prioritize this um, and each state looks different. Maybe some states are going to try to get Medicaid passed for mater maternal mental health. Some states might try to get a paid position. Um, it looks different for everybody. But just talk to your legislator. They're real people. They're in the interim right now. So they're not hearing from 500 different people. Mm -hmm. And that's a perfect time to just shoot them an email and say, hey, my name is Brooke Dorf. I live in your I'm your constituent. And this is something I care about. And, you know, just something like that. I mean, there's so many things that you can do to get involved. Um, share your story, share it on this podcast, share it with PSI, your local PSI, and um, get the word out there because some mom is going to recognize herself in that story. Um, and it's going to be a moment when she has an aha moment. And she's like, oh, that's me. Yeah. So that's so true. Yeah. Brooke, thank you so much for coming and talking yes. and sharing yeah. all of this information. This has been so helpful and it's going to be so beneficial to so many listeners. Mm -hmm. And thank we would you. love to have you come every, you know, six months and share statistics or updates or anything that you, you know, are Any able new to information. get past or, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we at the State Health Department especially, we have all kinds of statistics coming in all the time. We review the, the death cases, we review these surveys, um, and we're sending out a population survey, hopefully before the end of the year, so we can actually learn about why people aren't talking about it mm -hmm. um, and what they are doing instead of getting help from their provider. So I'll have a bunch of goodies from there. We're also going to do a survey f of providers, OBGYNs, midwives, doulas and asking them why aren't you talking about it mm -hmm. um what are the barriers you see so i mean there's so much here to cover but and yeah. how do we find you on social media so on social media you can find it's just at psi utah um on instagram and facebook it's the same thing psi utah awesome you guys always post good stuff too oh thank you yeah i love it it's not one of those pages i mute i love it yeah. and that's not <laughs> just because this is a passion of mine it's it's honestly it's good stuff oh yeah. good thank you yeah thank you for everything that you're doing it means so much to know that it's your passion it's your drive it's what wakes you up it's what you think about um coming from someone that had it and didn't have a lot of resources or didn't choose to use them i am comforted knowing that my friends that are going to continue to have children get to utilize everything that you're doing and your hard work so Aww. thank you so much for everything that you do yeah thanks you guys you guys are doing great work here it's important <laughs> oh thank you thank you for listening to the rising phoenix podcast if you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us please email us at rising at gmail.com for more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.